Welcome to the Mass Fans for Life podcast. I am your host, Landon Thomas. I am joined by Ian Kayanja, Shanavaz Makani, and Kendra Dunson. We have a blockbuster trade. Last week, I said, Nico, it's time to do something. It's time. This trade deadline or the offseason, you've been in the position. You learned the tricks and the trades of the role. Now it's time to make a power move. And the Mavericks made a power move. They announced the trade of Kyrie Irving along with Markeith Morris from the Brooklyn Nets for Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, and 2029 first-round pick and two future second-round picks. Kyrie Irving is averaging 27.1 points per game, 5.1 rebounds per game, and 5.3 assists per game. He is expiring, and there's a lot of issues off the court, but on the court, man, what a move. We'll get into all of it, even on on the flip side with Dorian Finney-Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie. So let's start with Ian. Ian, what's your thoughts on the trade overall? Yeah, I I, I want to zag because it seems that everybody in the national media hated this deal for Dallas, um, and I didn't, man. I, like we we talk about how it's like high risk, high reward, right? The way that I calculate it in my brain is where were you going if you didn't make a deal? And want to know what the Mavericks were staring at? A what? Sixth, seventh, or eighth seed. The name of the game is to get the name of the game in the NBA. It's a zero sum game, man. It, it, you have to have superstars to win. And Kyrie Irving is a bona fide superstar. And most times, a star of Kyrie Irving's caliber, it would require multiple years, multiple first round draft picks. And, you know, yeah, you gave up two of your starters and a couple second rounders and then an unprotected first. But when you look at that in comparison to, like, what the Cavs had to give up to get Donovan Mitchell or um, what Minnesota traded to get Rudy Gobert, I mean, like, the name of the game is acquiring superstars, and that's what the Mavs did. And too many people are reading into the tea leaves Kyrie Irving, before this trade request, was going into the Barclays Center hooping and going home. And I think that's the vibe he's on because he's trying to go get paid. And and, and he's going to do the same thing in Dallas. I don't, I don't get why everyone's freaking out about it. Like, yeah, he, he's a pretty awful person off the court. But for the most part, you know, and not awful person, I want to say – Hard to work with with the media and misunderstood probably would be a better phrasing Um, Mm. because he does do a lot of work in different communities. And, you know, you've highlighted that Landon on your Twitter. Um, So awful person is a bit harsh. And I want to take that back. He's kind of self-centered in a certain way when it comes to his representation of himself in the media. I think that's a more fair. Yeah, for sure. But. Media folks can't let his selfishness when he portrays himself to the media dictate their on-court analysis. And the Mavs have two of the best offensive players in basketball. And any time you can pair 
two of the NBA's five best offensive basketball players together, you make that deal 100% of the time. And if you think the Mavs lost this trade, then you are just asinine and you don't like Kyrie the person, so you're letting it color your basketball perception. And you said it last week, right? You said when we were having this conversation, well, you said it recently that they have to get a star. Remember, we had that conversation and, and they got a star. Um, so, Sean Avaz, what's your thoughts on the trade overall before we get into, like, the details? Just at a at the um, – holistically, what, what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I – initially, I was against it, right? And I think I expressed that, you know, when you – know, Against when, it? You said 100% when, no. I, <laughs> Let's I get was, to I, the real. Let's I get will, to the gritty, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? I will, I will, I will agree. I was 100% against it, but you know, things happen. You, the more and more I thought about it, and I honestly thought it would take a lot to give up, yeah. right? I thought it was going to take multiple firsts, like Ian said. And I was like, man, you really want to start throwing first round picks out there, and you know, potentially Josh Green, and and you know, obviously, I assumed Dinwiddie and Dorian were going to be in the deal, but to get a guy of Kyrie Irving's caliber for a first round pick that is in 2029 when that draft class is in the eighth grade right now. And nobody knows, no, nobody has any semblance of an idea as to what that draft class is going to look like. And if the Mavericks are good, that first round pick's not going to mean much. Um, and then two guys that, you know, look, quite frankly, I mean, they're both good players. Spencer Dinwiddie's great next to Luca and Dorian Finney-Smith is beloved, you know, here in Dallas and he's played extremely well, but they're not Kyrie Irving. Like at the end of the day, it's like Ian said, they're, they're not superstars. And whether you believe in the notion that superstars drive this league and that you need two superstars to win um, a championship is, you know, fine, but it doesn't hurt to have two, right? It, it, it absolutely does not hurt. And the Mavericks now have arguably one of, if not the best backcourt in the NBA um, that, that can go up against anybody, especially in the Western Conference. Um I think the fact that you you kept Josh Green, you kept Jaden Hardy out of this deal, you only surrendered one first-round pick, um, says a lot. And I think more so, it, it's also, from Nico Harrison's perspective, he's showing the relationship that he has with, with people around the league, right? He's yeah. got a relationship built with, with Kyrie Irving. Jason Kidd was Kyrie Irving's favorite player growing up. Um, so there's a level of respect there from Kyrie Irving as well. He's played with some really really young coaches in his in his career if you look back at the times that he's played with you know on the, on the Cavs and the Celtics and the Nets he's played with relatively young coaches and not established hall of fame type nba coaches um like like Jason Kidd is uh, from a playing perspective so i think there's a level of mutual respect there and i think this is the swing that we wanted to see and it's and and i agree with ian it's it's completely asinine that people are are sitting there um, saying that this this was a fail for the Mavericks, and especially folks who are saying, well, you know, make a trade, but don't make a trade for this guy. Like, what are you supposed to do then? When a superstar comes available, go get him. Doesn't matter the rest. This is this reminds me of when Detroit went all in on Rasheed Wallace back in the mid-2000s, right? And Rasheed Wallace had a really bad rap and came in and was a model citizen for the Pistons, and they made, you know, they made the finals and won. So who knows how this is going to work, but are you going to sit back and wait till the summer and hope and pray that a superstar comes available? Or are you going to take a swing now when look the contract at the end of the day, if they give him a two year deal, fine. If they give him a three year deal and all works out fine. If they sign and trade him in the off season, fine. But right now the Mavericks are one of the best teams in the Western conference. When you've got two of the top 15 players in the NBA, 
And it also signals to Luca that, hey, we're not going to sit back and we're not going to wait. We we know where our deficiencies are. We're going to make swing and we're going to show you that we'll do whatever we can to take take the load off of you and put ourselves in a position to win a title. Yeah, and it's definitely time for them to start winning games and start proving um, to Luca that they can make those moves like you just mentioned, Shanavaz, and and it's it's not over. It's, it's not over. There could be more. We still got time to trade deadline. Um, but on this trade specifically, Kendra, what's your thoughts overall on how it went down for both teams? I mean, they finally landed their big star. You know, mm. um, this goes back to the dark era. You know, we weren't able to get a big name to play alongside him and you know drafting Luca you you wandered the same and you know here we are and the superstar is not without controversy not without questions um not without uh, reservations on your roster based on his previous trips and it's rightfully warranted um I was like like Sean of Oz, I I I I wasn't for it, um, just for the fact, it, just for the fact that you know you have a player as talented as Kyrie is, and we all know that he's up there, he's top fifteen. Um, we know that he can get a bucket at any level um, on the court. Um, there's really not much uh, of a uh, defense out there that can really stop him. But the whole my my biggest reservation was just his buy-in. Um, you know, yeah. like will he be available for his team? And you know, in Boston, he was all about the team. You know, trying to make it happen there, and then he left. Try to, you know, was about the team in Brooklyn. And we know how that happened. And he re- requested a trade and he's here. And so there is a pattern and it shouldn't be ignored. And as far as who he is as a person, I, I don't really, you know, maybe we'll talk about that more. But as far as him as a player, um, I welcome him with an asterisk <laughs> like I I'm like I don't know um I, I won't believe it till I see it so the talent is welcome and I think it's going to elevate our offense it would take some pressure off of Luca um there is some some holes um that has um that needs to be filled now that he's here because you know with Dorian gone and, and Dinwiddie gone and Kleber still out and all these other things. There are some holes that, that still need to be filled, but offensively, I don't think there's going to be much of a struggle. It shouldn't be as stagnant um, as it was, um, especially when Luca is not on the court. And so uh, that aside, again, you know, it's just right now, I'm just like, hmm. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm not going to get too high. I'm not going to get too low. I'm going to just try to be as neutral as possible because I know that Kyrie is going to be on his best behavior. He's going to ball. He's going to say the right things. It's going to be 
you know, Luca, Luca is the man. I'm here to help. You know, I'm here to help the team. I'm here to elevate the guys around me. I'm here to, you know, um, uh, do whatever the coach is asking me, yada, yada, yada. Like, he's going to say all the right things. But as time goes on, you know, which we cannot foresee, we don't, we don't know. But based on, on the past, you know, as time goes on, we have to see if those words will hold up or rather how much will it hold up? You know, because right now, to me, his words are like sand. You know, it just falls through. It's nothing solid. Yeah. And um, it's it's hard to, to put your trust in that. But for the time being, immediately, yes, it will elevate the Mavs offense. Long term, you know, it's something to seriously consider if that's something like as far as stability um, and, you know, running alongside uh, Luca, is that something that they really want to do? And if not, just trying to find the right pieces to build around Luca and so forth. Yeah, it, it's it's something, like you said, it's t- to be seen. But from what I've seen so far, I like it. I mean, it, it okay, the, the issues um, that come with Kyrie Irving, it's 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 noted. We, we, we've heard it. <laughs> we've heard it for the past few days, obviously. Um, but from a basketball standpoint, this is a home run. I mean, from a basketball standpoint, this is Kendra. You just said it. They tried to do this with Dirk, and they didn't do it. I mean, they they got good teams around him, but they couldn't get a star next to Dirk. And they got a star, not only a star but a superstar. Uh, you know, a top fifteen player when he's on the court and playing good. I mean, he at the age of twenty three with Luca, like. They didn't wait to make this move. They made it now before it gets to, you know, the final year, you know, the final two years of his contract. Oh, let's make a, let's make a move now. No, they did it um, with a lot of time on um, the salary books for Luca. And I think it's a, it's a home run. I mean, it's, it's overall, there's some things that you have to be worried about, Obviously, it could go south. It could mess up the locker room. It could affect things with front office. But with the people around, like Sean Vaz pointed out, it kind of sounded like Brunson, all the uh, relationships that he has with, with the Mavericks, Jason Kidd, Nico, and and Theo. Um, I mean, him, uh, him and Theo had a, a handshake. I was like, what the – how many people does Theo know around the league? Like, this brother be hanging out with everybody on every single team. <laughs> he got handshakes for every single star. I'm like, damn, you might as well put Theo with Michael Finley and uh, Nico Harrison in, in the front office instead of hooping. You need to get him hooping with the other stars and bring him to Dallas. But that's another episode. But I feel like this is a move that you have to make. You have to take high r- risk like Ian said, for that high reward. Yeah, we, we've we seen all the news. We've seen all national news. We've seen just NBA news overall talk about Kyrie and how this could go south and how this is a horrible risk and how this can impact Luka. First of all, Luka signed off on a trade. He wanted him in Dallas. 
Kyrie Irving would not be in Dallas if Luka did not want him here. They went to Luka before they made the trade. So, I mean, this is this is one thing that needs to be pointed out with how it impacts Luka. But we're also not looking at the bright side. What if this does work out? <laughs> what if they do co- um, coexist on the court? It, we've seen... I, I swear, I feel like I've been... I've been banging this drum since the trade happened i yeah it's like it's in the nba we have so many brilliant people running franchises right that they Mm -hmm. they, these groups these uh front office groups they have all these timelines and all the different events and all their different outcomes that they kind of overlook the simple fact if you have two of the NBA's five to ten best offensive players in the league currently. Nothing else really matters. No. The name of the game is getting buckets, right? And, and Luca wanted him here. <laughs> and so, it, so what it, does it matter? <laughs> and at, at that point, it does. What? Who cares? If Luca, if Luca signed off on it, and if Luca said, you know what, yeah, I'm good with trading Dorian and and Spencer for Kyrie Irving. I, and I, Landon, we talked about this. I'm on board. That's all I need. Sean DeVos, think about what you said. Dorian Finney-Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie. The, the, thing, that, the thing that bothers me the most, and, and that's what bothers me the most, right, is all weekend since this happened, it's like, wow, you gave up Spencer and Dorian for Kyrie? Yes. What? Why wouldn't you like what? What? What else? What other value are you like? They're good players, but you're not. They people are good are like, players. People are like, "Oh, you should have offered that to Milwaukee and get Giannis." Like, do you understand how the NBA works? Like that, you have an opportunity to fleece, relatively fleece the Nets because they just want to get rid of Kyrie, and Joe Side doesn't want to send him to the Lakers. You know, so you have an opportunity to get him for Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith, who are good players, but this is. Kyrie Irving and everyone's up in arms that oh man gave up a first round draft pick. This kid's in the eighth grade right now. Whoever's going to be this this twenty twenty nine draft pick, like who cares, right? If Luca's not on the team in twenty twenty nine, fine. We can look back on this and say you know what it was a failure. That doesn't matter. And I bet you at that point, God forbid, if Luca's not on the team, we would have traded him for a haul of draft picks anyway. That would make that 2029 draft moot and at, at the very least. So it doesn't matter. The, the fact of the matter is you make a deal to get better now. You can't sit around and wait and say, I'm going to wait for the next guy to come. Like Kendra said, we did that with Dirk, right? The front office sat back and said, all right, well, let's plan powder. Let's wait for Chris Paul. Let's wait for Dwight Howard. Let's wait for Darren Williams. And what happened every single year? We sat there and said, maybe next year. Maybe next year we'll go after the big fish in free agency. You've got an opportunity to add a top 15 player on your team. You take that swing 10 out of 10 times regardless. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But at least you took the swing. And you're showing that to Luca, saying, you know what? If this opportunity presents itself in the future, if this one didn't work, we'll make the next one work. Right? We'll learn from this. We'll make the next one work. What happens this offseason? Dallas gets their draft picks back. Right? So that opens the door for you to go and improve your team further. Right. And let's, you know, it's, it, it just, it, it's mind blowing to me that people are for, for months, we've heard this team needs to make a deal. This team needs to improve around Luca when they do and they get a superstar. It's well, why did you make that trade? You can't have it both ways. And the well, question, I think, oh, sorry, Kim. like the, uh, no, you're fine. 
No, 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 no. Apologies. No, 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 no pleasant trees around here. Yeah. Okay. How dare you, Ian? Come in. Producer, news producer Ian has had, but uh, we should no, do a video but, one of these one day so people can see really Ian should. in his hat. Yeah. yeah. Reporting yeah, live, I'm, I'm outside. <laughs> I'm outside Dorian King Smith's house here in Dallas. Oh my God. <laughs> Hurricane Irving. Hurricane Irving. Airbnb right now. Kyrie, can we get a Mavs fans for life exclusive? I don't do the media. Next. But no, I was just thinking like the, the risk of, I mean, all of this sounds good on paper, but again, for me, it's like, it, it, there's this thing where it's like, I, I have to pause where I can't, I, I, I want to go where you guys are, um, but there's still this thing in me where it's like, it's a big if, like Kyrie is, it's, it's, it's a huge risk, you know, and he's played with the best of the best, literally at every stop. Mm -hmm. Why is this situation different than the previous stops? Well, he he's said, got what he's he 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 got what he wanted in each stop. So why is this stop different? Is it because maybe this stop will be different? I don't know. Maybe um, humility. Maybe reflection. Maybe the situation has changed. He's older. He's gone through more stuff, and and the market for him is different. So he his uh, his choices are are slim now. So you know he has to be more strategic about how he goes about it. But in my mind, I'm like. I don't want to hold a person to his past, but you cannot, I can disregard it because again, at each stop, I'm like, my Angelou said, when someone show you who they are, believe them. And to me right now, Kyrie is, he's a flake. He's flaky. I'm not, well, I'm he, not he, mentioned, he, he mentioned that in the press conference. He, he said the reason why he requested a trade was he felt disrespected. And and that's so. What about the Celtics? And what about the cat? Like the well, he was I, traded to the Celtics. He he didn't go there. He didn't sign there. I mean, no, it, but that wasn't his choice but, to but, go there. But he wanted to. When he was with the Celtics, he said he was gonna he was gonna sign, and then later he didn't. He ended up um, signing with the Nets. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this right now. Everybody says that. I mean that, that, that and they should. What are they supposed to say? Uh no, I'm going to be here for uh, my contract, and we'll see what happens. Are you a, are you already a Kyrie apologist? <laughs> no, I mean I'm that, just that, I'm just that being honest. What are, but what are they supposed to say? Everybody wants to end their career where they're at. They're supposed to Paul say George, that. Paul George said he was going to spend. The Dorian Finney-Smith said that. Christian Wood says that. I mean, everybody got says traded that. that summer. Right, like Paul George said the same thing. Got traded. I, I think for, what for Kyrie, to say? yeah, I mean, Kendra, you bring up a good point, right? That yes, everywhere he's gone, but let's not forget he's he he's openly said that him leaving and, and asking out of Cleveland and getting away from LeBron and, and wanting his own team was a mistake, right? He it's not his role, it's not you know what he's good at. Um, but I look, but you know, I, I find it interesting that we're talking about a kid that was drafted what number one overall. He was eighteen years old at a Duke. Um, he's had twelve head coaches throughout his, his tenure in the NBA. And a lot of them are not 
ten not tenured coaches, right? You're talking guys like David Blatt and Mike Brown, who was an early coach at the time. When he goes to Boston, or you know, it, we, then it was Tyron Lue uh, for Cleveland, right? Because every year, you know, LeBron didn't like the coach. So what were they doing? They're getting rid of coaches, right? He goes to uh, Boston and it's Brad Stevens. Goes to the Nets and it's Kenny Atkinson and gets Kenny Atkinson fired, but they bring in Steve Nash instead. And then what happens with Nash? They bring in Jack Vaughn or Jock Vaughn. Kids got a little clout, I think, a little more clout with with Kyrie Irving and the way that that you know. And 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 look, I, I listened to the press conference today. I, I listened to the interviews, and and you may entirely be right, Kendra. You, it, this may blow up in our face, and and you're probably right to be a little hesitant. And I think deep down inside, I think we all are. But it's just such a it's such a no brainer move in in my mind, at least. Um, when you're not giving up what what I thought what it takes to normally get a superstar, right? You're talking multiple firsts. You're talking high level players that it normally takes to pry one of these guys. What I think Ian said it. What did Minnesota give up for Rudy Gobert, right? What did Cleveland give up for Donovan Mitchell? Like look at look at what both of those teams had to give up over this offseason. And Kyrie's better than both of those guys. And we but Kyrie is on expiring. He is, and that may work to our benefit. It may work to our benefit, right? Like, it, it, we don't know that, right? That's That also plays into it, right? But the Nets were demanding a lot more. If you look at what the reported deals were from, uh, you know, from the Lakers and the Suns, I mean, it seemed like they were asking for more, and the fact they took ours, I, you jump at that every single day. If you're getting that offer, you're taking that every single day of the week. That's just, well, uh, for me, that's the way I, I see it. I'm just gonna tell you right now, all those offers were not as good as the Mavericks. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just saying, like CP3 is washed, and um, who who was who was the other teams that was Lakers offered Westbrook and and uh, um, I think a couple other players in a pick, but the Nets wanted washed. wanted Reeves and Christie, but then Joe Side didn't want to trade him there anyway. Well, but, of I, course, but that's still washed. I mean, I, Dinwiddie I and Finney Smith are, are starters. Better. But the fact that you're able to keep Josh Green out of this and Jaden yeah, Hardy of out of this when the Nets wanted Josh Green and Nico put his foot down, hope, I, I'm assuming, because he wasn't in the deal. And Nico said, I'm not I'm not giving you Josh Green for an expiring Kyrie Irving. Like, that's, Were you I, in the room? No, I don't know. I mean, I'm hoping. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm thinking in my head, Landon. Um, yeah. I'm just. I'm. Assu- I, I don't know what happened, right? But obviously, Josh Green wasn't in the deal, right? So, it's it, the fact that he's able to keep him, and that speaks to Nico as well, right? We talked about he's got to make a big move, Landon. You've said it, you know, every week the last couple of weeks, right? That he's got to, he's got to make that power move, and he's got to show what he's capable of. And you're able to get a top fifteen guy without. With a guy who ideally can replace Dorian Finney-Smith in the starting lineup and is younger and maybe has a higher ceiling, I mean that's that's a that's a hell of a deal. To me, and, and you know, I think we we got to stop dan- dancing around like the central question that I ask myself. Because um, Kendra, again, your reservations—they're there, right? With Kyrie, that it could all blow up, right? And the the second or the last third of the season kind of melts down for Dallas. But my question that I asked myself to kind of get out of that space where I'm like, what if it blows up was a simple question of, okay, if Dallas didn't make that move, where are they anyway? They had just lost nine games in January. They had just got the 
their their the brakes beat off them against Golden State. And so you don't make a move for Kyrie, you lose in the first round. You make a move for Kyrie, it blows up, you lose in the first round anyway. Or you make a move for Kyrie, it works out, and you're back in the Western Conference Finals because you have two of the best players in every series you're in. So it was, it's, it's a simple question of, okay, you don't trade for Kyrie, what's the outcome? You trade for Kyrie and it blows up, what's the outcome? They're the same. And, so and what's the well. biggest weakness for this team right now? Uh, you know, there's there's glaring weaknesses across the board, but it's what happens when Luka's not on the floor. We go from the best offense in the league to the worst offense in the league. You want to put now? You're saying you take Luka off the floor and you've got Kyrie Irving. That's that's not going to happen. It's not going to be the worst offense in the league right anymore. Right, but they mean they still they still have other areas. You know, they need to address. But you're right, Shanavaz. Like when Luka's not on the floor. Um, it's, it's, we're in trouble, you know, that, that lead that we have quickly is gone and he has to come back in and rescue us if he can, you know, because the usage is so high, uh, for him. But like that Pelicans it, game, we were up what, 30, 35 and he goes out with a hip injury and oh my God, we almost lose. Right. Like, right. Well, I just want to know, like, Sorry. No, no, go ahead, Kendra. I was just I was just wanting to know, like, in y'all's mind, how will it work schematically? Like, because, you know, I'm hearing all this talks of, you know, both are ball dominant, that never works. How's this gonna work? They both need the ball in their hands. You know, like it's it's never gonna work. Well, um you- so I mean, since y'all are proponents of him being here, again, I'm not I'm not against it. I, I, I'm not against it. I already said that you know him being on the team it automatically raises the Mavs' offense uh, ceiling. Um, I just want to know like any quick thoughts on how y'all think um, he's gonna like how will it work? You know, can we talk X's and O's? Well, first of all. It, it... Y- y'all said it's it's trouble when Luca's off the court. I say it's trouble when Luca's on the court because when they double him, it's four on three, and the Mavericks still cannot convert on those plays, and they won't be able to double Luca like that with Kyrie Irving on the court. One thing he can play off the ball. He's not he's ball dominant. He's what top ten in ISOs, top eight. Luca's number one, but. He can also play off ball and he could shoot. He is shooting 37 and a half from three ball beyond the arc this season. So that's another plus. And when you have his playmaking ability as well, you have to play honest. And you can't, they don't play honest when, to be quite honest, <laughs> then Witty and uh, Finney Smith are on the court. I mean, when you have two superstars on the court, you have to play honest. You can't go double players like that. When you have another guy who's capable of putting up 30, just like Luca is. And that's, it all comes down to coaching. It, it, Jason Kidd said in the press conference, he said that the reason Luca had the ball so much is because they didn't have many options. 
and, and now you do where you can change your offense around these two guys. It doesn't have to be just Luca pick and roll all game. You can do different things schematically um, to add creativity to this offensive scheme. And that's what I am looking forward to tonight. I mean, obviously Luca is out, but just to see how kid uses um, Kyrie in this offense. And then when Luca comes back against the Kings or whenever he does come back. So Ian, what's your thoughts on them pairing on the court? How do you think the coaching staff will play that out? Oh man, in my mind, that's a bit, um, I think that's something that we NBA fans always overblow whenever stars get paired together, especially like Kyrie Irving to me's game is so it complements anyone he plays with. And so think about this. The only time Kyrie has been a one man band was the first couple years in Cleveland before LeBron came. Then he played with LeBron and Kevin Love. Then from LeBron and Kevin Love, he went to go to Boston and played with Jason Tatum and then boys. And then in Brooklyn, he's played with KD. It, like he's, He's had to share the ball his entire career outside of those first couple of years in the league. And even in those first couple of years in the league, the Cavs thought Deion Waiters was going to be something. So they were giving him some run. And so it's like Kyrie has this game that's so fluid where he's such a great shooter, whether it's off the bounce or on the catch, that it doesn't really matter if he's handling the ball or not. Does he like to handle the ball? Yes. But he won a championship as a team's second ball handler, and he hit the biggest shot in that series. And I understand 2016 is a long ways ago, but he's played with other stars. And for as limited as we saw it with his run with the Nets, when him and KD were together, they were unstoppable. And KD's a yeah. pretty ball-dominant guy too. Um, and and so I, I think him and Luke are, are going to play just fine off of each other, him being Kyrie. Um, they're going to play just fine off of each other because – one, Luca's basketball IQ, and, and not to make this like a, a Luca's amazing type of segment, but I mean, like, he, play, he, he played in the a European style of basketball that involves a lot of ball movement in his career, man. And, and if he has to, and, and Luca's a more than willing passer. And so, I mean, Luca played with Jalen Brunson in the playoffs when Brunson was starting to emerge as a guy. Um, so I don't think it'll be this whole your team, my team kind of fiasco that, you know, in the media they try to set up like, oh, whose team really is it? I don't think guys care that much. It just comes down to if we're winning and if they're getting their numbers. Those are the two things they care about. And as long as those two things are checked, everyone's happy. Sean Avaz, what's your thoughts? So – I, I agree with Ian um, and Kendra. Well, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, my, so I'm sorry. I'm like lost in my own head here. Um, I, I'm not worried <laughs> about the fit, right? Like I, I think it, it's going to come down to coaching. And I think Kyrie comes into the situation knowing that ultimately this is Luca's team. But like Jason Kidd said, Luca hasn't – Luca's had to have the ball in his hands, right? He's had to have this usage right there. There hasn't been an opportunity for him to – deferred to somebody else and when he did we saw what jalen brunson did right so it's it's not like luca hasn't done this before we we saw glimpses of the of it last year in the playoffs and it worked 
fairly well for this team. You know, people always say, well, well, how are you going to let two ball-dominant players play together? Let's not forget Kyrie played with James Harden for a short period of time, who was also one of the most ball-dominant players in the NBA and who people, you know, want to compare Luka to and say, well, Luka and Harden are, are the same player, right? When when Kyrie and Harden, you know, you guys know I'm, I'm a big stack guy, right? When Kyrie played alongside Harden, he averaged 27 points on 52% shooting and 39% from three. Mm. That's pretty good numbers, if you ask me, right? That's that's all NBA numbers for a two guard. You know, Kyrie is the one who took a backseat to James Harden in Brooklyn. People forget that and said, hey, you play point, I'll play shooting guard, right? I'm I'll let, let me do the catch and shoot, right? If you need me, you know, to 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 dribble, he still averaged five assists, right? When in the 30 games that he played with James Harden, 30, 35 games. So it's not like he was, you know, sitting there and, and really just sitting in the corner. Um, you know, I, I think the fit, this, is, this isn't this is going to be a Luka and Porzingis thing where Porzingis is stuck in the corner and kind of playing out of his element. Um, I think Kyrie is is a much better, obviously an incredible ball handler, if one of, if not the best ball handler in, in the NBA. You couple that with Luka's talents. I mean, this should be a backcourt that terrifies everybody. I mean, they'll figure it out. Like, these are two very, very smart basketball players. And you've got a coach in Jason Kidd who naturally is a point guard and gets to to coach two of the best point guards in the NBA. So I, I don't, I, I think the fit may, you know, when they first start playing together, you're going to see a little struggle, but man, if the, if these guys mesh come playoff time, I mean, the, it, it's going to be scary for the, for the Western conference. So Kendra, you, you asked the question, what's your thoughts? How do you think it's going to work out on the court uh, with the pairing? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I have the same, um, thought is Ian um we agree on that and I think Kyrie is a his style of play like it's almost seamless you know um because he's been able to accommodate um his style to the more ball dominant uh type players um that you guys mentioned and so I don't think this would be any different if anything it's it's just, uh, you know, just getting to know each other where, you know, each other like to have their spots and where they like to have the ball and, and things like that. I think about when Luca is driving to the paint, you know, and he's met with two or three uh, defenders and, you know, Luca kicks it out to a, one of his teammates. I, I picture Kyrie being right there and him being able to take advantage of that and actually convert an open shot. Um, I also think that um, the the pull-up uh, shot is there for Kyrie, um, you know, off a of pick and roll, um, you know, staggered screens and all those things. So I think it'll, it'll, it'll work. It'll be there. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see how the other players are going to fit around them. Um, with Green and um, with Bullock and all these other things. And so I, they're going to be more open now. I mean, how, how much more open can you be with Lucas on the floor? Now that you have Kyrie, you're going to be that much more open. So uh, all the, again, the pressure is on them just to knock down a shot, you know. Um, I still think ball movement is to their advantage. You know, you don't want to have the ball stay in one hand. Um, and we know that that was out of necessity. And I also think that, you know, I, I hope that Luca 
kind of proves everyone wrong during this time that he can play off the ball and that everything leading up to this point was it wasn't more so because of you know it's just talent and and all these other things but it was also out of necessity and so I think this would also be a, a time for Luca to show other people that he can play off the ball and um, he can defer and, um, you know, the offense can can run through Kyrie um, while Luca is on the floor and it'll be fine. Can I, can I say one thing that I'm really, really excited about? Um, <laughs> and, and Kendra, as you were kind of talking, it, it kind of struck, it, it something hit me. You know, we have the what? What is it? The we're the last in pace in the NBA, right? And have been for a couple of years. If you're you're talking about a guy in Kyrie who can push the ball up the floor and a high flyer like Josh Green, I mean, that's going to open up the offense a lot more as well. Um, where you're not just having to and and Kyrie's fantastic in half court sets, also, right? Um, but the the ability for for us to get the rebound and push it up the court now. Uh, is going to be is going to be a lot of fun to watch as well, and I think that's going to open up this offense even more uh, than just you know Luca bringing it up, getting set in the half court, or Dinwiddie bringing it up, getting set in the half court, and a drive and kick out into the corner for a three. Um, you're you're going to see a lot more flow and a lot more variance to uh, uh, to the offensive sets. I think now that that you've got somebody who can actually you know push the tempo a little bit. For sure. So let's get let's get into the other side um, with um, Dorian Finney Smith. And Spencer Dinwiddie heading towards Brooklyn. Obviously, Dorian Finney-Smith. Dorian spent, obviously, six-plus six years in Dallas and very beloved. Uh, one of the fan favorites on um, one. He actually went from an undrafted, undrafted free agent all the way to one of the top 3D players, uh, specifically the last couple of years. Um, had a down season this season. And he he did struggle, but uh, he he goes to Brooklyn and he gets pretty much his new home in his first trade in his NBA career. What's y'all's thoughts on Dorian Finney-Smith um, heading towards Brooklyn and and Spencer as well um, going back to Brooklyn? Um, Kendra, I'll start with you. Um, from a national media perspective, I mean, they kind of did a 180. It went from Luca has no help to, oh my gosh, they just shipped, a, <laughs> they just traded their best three and D guy, you know, it's like, so which one is it? Yeah. Um, but, uh, but Dorian, you know, he was definitely one of my favorite players, uh, on the Mavs, you know, you love to see a player who, you know, no one saw coming and come come into his own and uh, make the most of it. But also this year was a down year for him. His numbers were down across the board. And, um, you know, our defense all around hasn't been good. And, you know, Dorian is a part of that. Um, And and that's just the reality. And so, uh, you know, he will get his tribute video uh, when he comes to, to Dallas um, but I think there are other players, depending on how the maps move, you know, they, they can defend as well. I think, um, it's just part of the business and, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, did you ask about Dinwiddie as well? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Dorian and Spencer, what, what's your thoughts on Spencer as well going back to Brooklyn? I mean, I I, I like that. I actually like that story. I like that story for for Denver. Mm. You know, um, that's kind of where he he flourished, and you know, he, he started to make a name for himself. And you know, he's he's back. You know, so um, I I think him being here, I I truly believe that he did everything that he was supposed to do everything that was asked of him. He did it well. He knocked down some big shots last season um, against Brooklyn in Brooklyn, Um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, so uh, he knocked down some big shots in the playoffs for us, you know, and he did his best um, as a, you know, secondary ball handler. Um, But again, you know, the offense, was was stagnant you know he he kind of did the same things that Luca did but it, it just wasn't as uh sufficient and so it's it you know you just no love lost you know it's just uh business is business uh Kyrie is a better offensive player uh than Dorian in uh in in Dinwiddie but Dorian in in, in Dinwiddie will be missed Sean Navaz what's your thoughts on Dorian um you know, getting traded for the first time in his NBA career and, and just going to Brooklyn. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, I think we, I think all of us as as Mavericks fans really came to, to, to love Dorian Finney Smith and everything that, you know, it's always a good story when it's a undrafted free agent, a guy who had to, you know, played for two different colleges and and really didn't get, um, didn't get the recognition he he deserved, uh, you know, at that level and comes in and has to fight hard for, you know, to earn a roster spot and then gets a, you know, gets a pretty good uh, chunk of change, uh, you know, in a long-term deal. Finally, um, you know, he was a great fit. He, he, he was a, a really good teammate to Luca. I think he was a great locker room guy. Um, and I know Landon, you guys in, in the media loved him um, and the fans loved him as well for everything that he did. He said some good shots. He was arguably our best defender. Um, but, you know, when being the, being, a team's best three and D guy is generally those are the guys that, that get traded, right? If you look at you know mm. trades across the league, I mean, you have to give up something to get something, right? You, you very rarely are there going to be one sided deals um, in this league, and so I, I think the Mavericks felt um, from a personnel standpoint that, especially with the emergence of Josh Green um, and what we've seen from him this year, um, you know, and the fact that that his defense has steadily improved his shot making has improved his confidence. Um, he's got a little, he's got a Dorian Finney Smith esque vibe to him in terms of the way he plays his game, but with better ball handling, better movement. Um, he's faster. Um, you know, he has a better shot arguably. So I, I think they see a lot of Dorian Finney Smith in Josh green. And so I felt that, you know, there. Excuse me. The Mavericks probably felt that. You know what? It's we we can. You know, we can utilize this this contract. And and Nico Harrison said it last year. This. Uh, you know, it was all about flexibility with trading Chris Epps Porzingis and bringing in Dinwiddie and Bertans. Now allowed the Mavericks to go out and obtain a superstar. Um, and, and so Nico's keeping his end of the bargain. What he what he preached to us when he got hot. You know, when when uh, he got hired and when he made this deal. Um, so yeah, if, you, if, if it's, you're talking about Dorian Finney-Smith, I mean, the Mavericks love him, he'll always, you know, he'll always be great. Well, you know, I'll certainly always root for him in Brooklyn. Um, it's going to be weird seeing him wear number 28 though. Um, that's going to be kind of, um, kind of a sight for sore eyes, but, um, you know, I, I think, 
Um, I wish him nothing but the best, and I think he had to be included in that deal when you're that type of player. And, and for for Spencer Dinwiddie, I mean, like Kendra said, it's it's a great story him going back to Brooklyn. I mean, it's where he kind of made his career as a sixth man uh, when nobody expected them to make the playoffs, and and he had to you know turn that into a long term deal. And um, you know he's going to be a great addition to that team. He you know he provides obviously shot making. He was a good fit next to Luca. I think there was a lot of questions last year when that deal was made of, of, you know, what is the fit and how is that going to work alongside Luca? And I think he played extremely well. And even this year taking over for the, for the JB role, although, you know, we've, we've said he's probably better suited as a six man. I mean, he was, he did the best he could in that role. Um, and, um, you know, again, you know, wish both of them, nothing but the best. And, and, you know, I know Mavs fans are, are always going to be rooting for them. So Ian, what, what's your thoughts on Dinwiddie? Uh, going back to Brooklyn, I mean, he had his most efficient, I guess, half seasons, <laughs> two seasons, but he played half um, both of those seasons in Dallas, and he goes back to Brooklyn this time after a Western Conference run. I mean, it, it makes for a good story. What did he say that you know his family was like missing home or whatever anyway? I don't know. Dinwiddie kind of seems like a guy that takes everything on the chin. Like he's a good sport about it and kind of understands the nature of the NBA and the business side of it. Um, as for basketball wise, I mean, it'll be interesting because KD's still out for a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. What that looks like and is it going to be the Dinwiddie when the Nets made the playoffs before Katie and Kyrie got there? Like, what? What? That'll be intriguing. Um, but I don't know. I, I root for the guy, man. He he had all time great press conferences in Dallas, man. And and for that, I will I will always I will I will always be in that guy's corner. Um, it's it's been interesting the analysis though. Um, Kendra, you made a good point earlier. That all year it's been Luca has no help, and then these guys are traded to Brooklyn, and they're they're acting like Finney Smith and, and Dinwiddie were world beaters. Like let's not kid ourselves; they were good. They 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 were they were good good starters, and and you know they they were good at their niche roles. Dinwiddie, a volume scorer, and Finney Smith, a guy that plays defense and is supposed to hit outside jumpers and you know Finney Smith is revered I think in Dallas because of his work ethic and his commitment to always staying himself and for that I respect um but again you can't let off-court perceptions cloud your on-court assessments if you have Dinwiddie and Finney Smith as your two and three um you're not winning a championship man you're not um as as nice guys as they are, as personable as they are, as always willing to talk, Landon, to, to you and I they, as they are, you know, they at the end of the day, the Mavs won the deal and Dinwiddie and Finney Smith, they get to hang out with each other in Brooklyn. And that's kind of the nature of the league. Yeah, it, it, well said. It, it really is. And um, you, you you kind of get invested into these players because you, you see them all the time and you see the ins and outs and just how personal they are, um, you know, off camera. And especially 
when the press conferences, when the camera's not rolling or practice and just enjoy. And that's what, and that's what I'll miss from Doran and Spencer Dinwiddie, just the joy that they brought to practice and games and press conferences. They're always joking, especially Dorian. He's all, he's one of the funniest guys really. Um, he's always joking in press conferences. He's every time you see him, he's joking, he's smiling. And, um, Dinwiddie, like Ian said, he's, he's going to give you some good content. Like most, most of my engagement were probably 30% of what Dinwiddie said in a post game conference. Um, and it's something that you enjoy because he he'll, he'll be honest. Like a lot of players, they'll just say what they have to say and they'll get out of the room. But then what he he'll say what he he really feels. And a lot of the times it, it's wordy. <laughs> it, you'll be there for an hour. At the end of the day, yeah, uh, yeah, that's his favorite. That's his favorite. At the end of the day, you know, when you have, uh, you, you know, when he says that, you know, he's about to go on a ten-minute rant. But you want that five seconds of that rant because you know that five seconds is going to get you some engagement on on social media because they're going to be like, "What did that boy just say?" But it, it's it's. It's this is this is the business. This is the business, and I've learned that just from joining the media side. Because when you see it from the outside, you're like, "Oh man, that was a such a great player, and he will be missed." But like when you just see the ins and outs, and you see the joy, specifically Dorian, like he was one of my favorites. He the joy he brings every single day, no matter the Mavericks were like on a eight um a seven game slump one time um this season and and Dorian's still smiling. He's still he's still making jokes. He's like he always come on, come on, we we we're gonna be all right. Come on. And it I'll I'll miss that around, but this is Kyrie Irving. I mean it, it's it's game time. It's trying to it, the Mavericks need to win and they need to win big. They need to show Luca that hey we're making power moves and um not only is Kyrie gonna help you He's going to be beside you. And that's what Kyrie said as well. But last Maybe. topic. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Did you, I, I think it was Richard Jefferson that made this point and kind of talking about the difference from fan perception to um, player perception to media perception. Richard Jefferson said anytime um, and I think it was Richard. I want to believe because he, he's, he was, it was a, one of those basketball podcasts that he's always on. But the way he basically described it, he was like, so many people view being traded as, you know, like this whole big thing of like, oh, they were traded. Um, and he chose to view it like as, you know, in Fortune 500 companies, you just move to a different department. And so mm. the NBA is the umbrella company, right? And so you're just working in their Brooklyn offices for the next six months, or you're working you know, in their Dallas offenses, in their Dallas offices for the next four months, or you're working in one of their LA offices or their Portland office. And it was like, it's more like that than actually like this idea of these rogue random organizations trading. It's like under the corporate umbrella of the NBA, like, because at the end of the day, yeah, in (laughs) Dinwiddie, at the end of the day, you know, you're, everyone's the betterment of the league is the betterment of all the teams. So 
he, he, Richard Jefferson always talked about looking at it as like different departments in a Fortune 500 company exchanging employees. And that's a good way to look at it too. Um, that's a good point. So the last topic of this episode, Kendra, you brought you brought this up. Video tributes. Let's talk about video tributes. You you obviously said uh, Dorian is going to get a good one, and you know that's going to be special um, when he comes back to Dallas in that video tribute. We we've already seen two uh, with uh, Jalen Brunson and Kristaps Porzingis, and you. We mentioned this in the, in just a group chat with now that Spencer Dinwiddie is on the same team, he was traded to the Brooklyn Nets as well. You kind of figure that he'll get a video tribute, um, you know, just to not make it awkward. But do y'all think that Dinwiddie deserves a video tribute? Um, respectfully, absolutely not. <laughs> And it's did, not did you because say respectfully hell no. Wow. Pretty much. Pretty much. I said the PG. Sean Navaz is ready for it. I'm, Let's hey, go. I said the PG. Listen. Oh, here we go. It's not, it, it's not a dig at his production. It's not a dig at the you know the type of player he is and uh, his professionalism and and all of that. It's just longevity. Like he wasn't there for very long. He came in half season last uh last season and this season he was here for just half of it so i I don't know how many games that is combined um shana you're the stat guy so maybe when it's your turn you can tell us how many games he's played but i know it's not enough to say you know he deserves a a tribute video because if that's the case like the whole point of a tribute video is it's it, it it just carries something it, it's it's for the fans. Seventy six games. Seventy six games. That's that. You know, there's that's a regular games. season. If exactly, you know, um, eighty two game. Uh, you know, in a season. So that's just. I, I don't. Again, this is not against him. It's just he wasn't here. He hasn't been here. He wasn't here for a long time. And tribute videos should uh should be dedicated to the people who were here for, um. I don't know, f- minimum four seasons, minimum had an impact on the impact on team winning, um, minimum community service. Um, you know, there mm, are definitely yeah. check marks that a player should um, qualify for to get a, a video. Not everyone deserves one. And so, um, yeah, he definitely doesn't deserve one. Shauna Vaz, you have the floor. I mean, Kendra came at you. So, I mean... We- like always. Like always, I, man. I sure did. I sure did. So, I, I just, you know, Kendra's minimums, um, you know, I just want to make sure I got those right because she said at least four years made an impact on winning. So, I don't... I, I wonder why Porzingis got a tribute video when he only played three years Honestly, and, and really didn't tribute winning that much. Honestly, I I don't know either. I I truly don't. I'm not saying he deserved one either. I I, I don't agree with that. And that's fair then. Then that's fair. I'm a so I you guys ragging on me in the group thread about me wanting my tribute videos because I I just I, you know I have a soft spot in my heart. That's why. <laughs> um, no, I Dorian. I think 
hundred percent gets one. I, I the reason I said Dinwiddie is because I think in some ways they're going to lump them together, right? I think when when it's you know when when the Nets, assuming they're both on the Nets, the next time you know the Nets are in Dallas, I don't I don't think they play again this year. So next year, um, assuming they're both still on the Nets, I would assume that those would be lumped together, um, and just out of respect, and and I think just out of. Um, you know, especially for Dorian, everything that he did, you know, for this team and, and his story, and we talked about it, I, I think he definitely will get one. And, and Dinwiddie, I think, you know, he comes over in, in a time when, you know, the Mavericks were were shipping off a guy in, in Porzingis that they had really put all their, you know, all their eggs into into one basket and, you know, utilized that to split it between Dinwiddie and Bertans. And, and look, Dinwiddie came in and hit some clutch shots last year. Like, let's. This isn't just a scrub who who came in and did nothing for this team, right? Yeah. Like, I, I know you guys joked around with me and I said, "Yeah, Bertans will get one too." But like, if if Davis Bertans get traded, he's not getting one, right? Like, but Dinwiddie hit some clutch shots for this team. Like, he he really helped carry the Mavs and and well, maybe not carry, but he really helped what the Mavs had going, right? And and. And even this year without Jalen Brunson, he's done a, an admirable job of stepping into that starting guard role, um, shooting the best three-point percentage he has. He's at, He was averaging, what, 17, 18 a game, um, really expanded his game as well and, and, and you know kind of reminded people of the guy he was pre-ACL injury. So I think just as a, um, as a thank you and because they're on the same team, I think Dinwiddie will be lumped into that Dorian tribute video now if they're on separate teams that's a different conversation then right then i think i would have to think about my answer but i'm i'm assuming that those two guys are going to be on the same team when brooklyn comes to play dallas next year but do you think he deserves one? yeah <clears throat> no just speak speak your mind I, I don't I I don't think he deserves an individual tribute video. If if that's the question, right? If you're if you're saying like what JB got when when Brunson came back as a member of the Knicks, you know, and gets a whole you know full length tribute video, I don't think Dinwiddie deserves that. But I think if if he's on the Nets, I think the Mavericks will make sure that they'll you know they'll lump both of them together as as kind of a one big kind of tribute video to both of them. I think that kind of diminishes Dorian's though, just a little bit. If that's the case, that's true. And that, and that, that and but you, it's also kind of just a... doing it for Dinwiddie for just because of like you don't want it to be awkward. I'm like, I'm sorry, he's a grown man. Like that'll be all right. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I don't disagree. You know that with would you. be awkward though if he, if he's sitting, that's he's sitting thing. right like, next to Dorian super weird. and he gets nothing, and they just all right, check up. That'll be kind of. Maybe Ian, what's your thoughts? Chime in. That's the sound of me sleeping through tribute videos. I say... I, mean, I thought oh. Ian was grunting at this. What is he doing? Man, wow. I am of the extreme. Unless you are a first ballot Hall of Famer and your Hall of Fame oh, years happen you took to it there. that team, you do not deserve a tribute video. That is my standard. And so you not, said Brunson didn't even deserve one. No, Brunson didn't deserve a tribute video. I'm sorry. Like, it, it's, it's gotten okay. out of hand. Like We're just handing tribute videos to anyone that plays two seasons and scores 20 points. And no, like we got to stop this. Because like, at what point does it stop? We're giving tribute videos to really good role players? Like, come on, let's be serious. Like, if, if the, let's, let's take this for example. 
Um, you know, growing up, I loved the I, I loved the Oklahoma City Thunder, and on those teams, you know, you had Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, and James Harden, right? And then you also had Tabo Cephalosha, who after James Harden was traded, um, you know, played this huge role for the Thunder because they had no other real guard. They had Kevin Martin for a year, and after it just was Tabo, right? Tabo was a really good role player. He hit a lot of clutch shots. He played in a lot of big games. He doesn't get a tribute video just for being there. He wasn't a bus driver, as Charles Barkley would say. And, and like, so at what point does it stop? Because if that was modern day, the Thunder would be handing a tribute video out to Tabo Cephalosha. Like, like at, at a certain point, the fans' affinity for a player can, cannot be the driving factor to a tribute video. It, so my rule, my jurisdiction, you have to be a first ballot Hall of Famer whose Hall of Fame years, whose peak years were with that team, and then you also have to be a winner. And that means your team is playing in big games. If you do those things, you deserve a tribute video. And so when you start looking at it, the list of who deserves a tribute video now is extremely short. You know, because LeBron is going to walk into his Lakers tribute video because of this and winning the championship in 2020. But if they don't win that bubble championship, I don't think LeBron's Lakers tenure would deserve a tribute video. His Cleveland one does. His Miami one does. But, like, to me, that's the standard. And so many franchises are just starved for greats that they want to give the first guy that averages 20 points per game a tribute and want to make it all emotional. Like, snooze. Like, bro didn't even make the All-Star game, bro. Relax. Hold up. Hold up. You acting like a, a it's a video. You acting like a, a two-minute clip is a jersey banner. What you mean, a first yes. ballot Hall of Famer for a tribute video? Yes. I think yes. you're tripping now. I'm not Sean tripping. Sean I mean, you pro uh, tribute video. What do you think about uh, Ian's comments about that? That's hurtful, man. <laughs> that's just, that's, that's, Ian's got no, no emotion, no soul. It hurts. He's, <laughs> he's just mad and he's upset for some reason. He doesn't want, he doesn't want his, uh, you know, players to get their, you know, get their, uh, get recognized by their old teams. What, what you're making millions of dollars you need an emotion have, bro they, everybody's got a heart ian everyone's no, got a heart my friend videos are to serve the players egos if they want the video that bad they got their personal media team they can make one for themselves and they could cry about it they could do whatever <laughs> high five go back look at the memories i don't care if you didn't make an all-star team on whatever team you were playing with, if you weren't an all-star, if you weren't an all-NBA player, if you averaged 16 points per game, you do not deserve a tribute video, bro. And end of story. I am tired of it. I'm tired of I it. Think I, I think I figured out the key to what's bothering Ian and what the whole point uh -oh. of this was. If you notice uh -oh. in that rant, he said, if you want the video tribute yourself – do it on your own something to that effect i think ian's applying and telling them hey if you want me to make a video for you 
a tribute video for you. I'll do it. Ian's trying to get his name out there. That's what he's doing. He's like, all these guys who don't deserve it. Like, yeah. Yes. That boy been go. on that iMovie. Like he on that iMovie, man. Look at those just, clips. He, he downloaded Final split. Cut Pro. Downloaded Final Cut Pro last weekend. He's been trying, you know, he's been he taking been the courses. He got the learning. newsroom. He got the, Look he, he knows how to clip those videos, I man. I figured it out, Ian. I knew it. He knows how to clip those videos, man. Production. Production is. Don't knock the hustle. Kendra, what's your thoughts on Ian's comments? Honestly, I I hear no lies, Toad. I don't. Because when I think of video tributes, I think of, you know, players who leave and, you know, they, for whatever reason, they go and visit that team. Russell, you know, James Harden. You know, despite how he left, you know, he still got a, a video tribute. And, you know, some fans booed. And, you know, is it, so is it really for the fans? It, it, you know, so um, Dwayne Wade, you know, when he left Miami and went to Chicago and, and Cleveland, that was really weird. But, you know, he did it nevertheless, and they gave him a video. Um, Tony Parker, when he went to, to Charlotte. It, it, and so these are all... Hall of Fame players, um, which actually I don't know if Tony is there yet, but I'm sure it, it's coming. Um, but and also Dwayne Wade. Uh, so I just don't. I I I, I think Ian is onto something. You know, if we're just doing it just to do it, it does loses its value. Hmm. The only thing that I would add to yeah. Ian is. Um, I do have a soft spot for role players, hey. you know, for, for players like Dorian, you know, again, undrafted, he comes and he makes something up himself. He gets better every year. That's why he became an asset, um, to the nets and they wanted him. And I just think that's really awesome. That's why I don't really see it as a subtraction, you know, because of his story and how he got there. And, you know, just to prove how hard he's worked to get where he's at. Um, so, sure, he gets he gets a video. And sometimes that might be the only recognition that Dorian may get, you know, because All-Star he may not get, Hall of Fame he may not get, Jersey hung and he may not get a video tribute. Hey, you know, two, two three minutes, it's not going to hurt anybody. Except for Ian, who's going to fall asleep during that time, I'll be sure to record it and send it to uh, Dorian's Twitter or whatever and let him know no, the disrespect no. that's happening. Kendra, Kendra, Kendra. No, with, with that, like, there's always exceptions to the rule, right? And, you mm-hmm. know, part of, and maybe Dorian is one of those. So y'all exceptions. agree with Sean Navaz? No, 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 absolutely not. Exceptions. Whoa, I didn't say everybody gets one. I didn't say you everybody. You said Dinwiddie. You said Dinwiddie. I said you got to draw. If he's on Brooklyn, I, if he if he's still on Brooklyn and you're giving one to Dorian, got to give one to Dinwiddie. I think. I, I just <laughs> I, you don't want to make things weird. No, it's this. Simple. KP got one. Dinwiddie should get one. No, it's this simple, Sean. <laughs> It's a simple phrase that I always stick to. If everything is sacred, nothing is. So if you create this beautiful three-minute video about 
Dorian and how hard he's worked to craft himself into the player that he is, right? If you have this video that tells the story of Dorian's work ethic, and then you throw in the guy that played 76 games, it takes what is sacred and makes it meaningless. And so... I get yeah. it. I get it. I, I understand. I'm not saying everybody. I said if Dinwiddie's still on the Nets, I think he should get one. If he, he wasn't watch. on the Nets... watch! Is, Ian, you don't even think Dorian should get one. No, I'm well, saying. That's, yeah, that's true. I'm saying, boss, that's a point. My, my, this was my thing because there, there's always the rare exception, right? The rare exception. Dorian is that rare exception, right? Because Kendra did make a good point that I will concede that sometimes if you have a 10 year role player that's been there eight, nine years and is you know, done whatever, contributed to the community, and kind of been that pillar and culture in the organization, then yeah, like, that was Nick Collison for the Thunder, right? And and so... So you think Dwight Powell needs one if he, if he gets traded? Basically does what you're saying. Does Udonis Haslam get one from the, from the Heat whenever he retires I in think, 20 years? Yeah, I think he will. Absolutely. I, I um, His but, video might be 40 minutes long, but... <laughs> just him sitting on the bench. But the, the, point water. Is, the point is, is that like Nick Collison, um, Nick Coll- guys like Nick Collison, guys like you. I know you're tearing up during that um, tribute. Video. Are are few and far between. Those rare role players that are culture setters are few and far between. So but they is are- Dorian's impact the same on the Mavericks as what Nick Collison was on the Sonics and the Thunder? Well, now like, I wouldn't say so. Nick Collison spent his enti- what his entire career with that franchise. Look, we're getting into these hypotheticals. We're getting into the weed. We're getting away <laughs> from my main point being Sean. <laughs> we're trying to get your main point. We're trying to get your main point. You started at Hall of Famers. Now you're saying Dorian needs that four minute video. Now you're claiming for Nick Collison to get another video tribute. I'm not saying he needs a four-minute video. I'm saying there's always exceptions to the rule, but the main hardline rule should be you have to be an all-star, an all-NBA-level player, win, and be there for a long time. Like, to me, that's the baseline. So Dorian shouldn't... Oh, I'm sorry. You, that's your baseline. The, uh, the, not your exceptions. That's your baseline of who should think get... Of, think about it as a soft cap and a hard cap in the NBA where the soft cap means you, there's some exceptions. There's a mid level, you know, you, you, you can kind of finagle the numbers, fudge around the corner. Eventually you hit the hard cap and the hard Bro, cap. It's a video. It's a video. Dwight Powell's getting the longest video tribute ever in Mavericks history. Yeah. Oh, okay. So Ian, I'll, I'll ask you this. So in your mind, Dorian is the exception and deserves one, but Jalen Brunson doesn't. Yes. And I will say it, my reasoning being is Dorian kind of showed himself to be a key role player sooner than Brunson did. Um, and I think... Dorian was kind of pushed into that starter role sooner than Brunson was. Um, we we got to see like 
all-star, quote-unquote all-star level Brunson for like 65, 60 games last year, if you include the playoffs. Um, and to me, that's what earned him a tribute video um, in the Mavs organization was that playoff run. If the Mavs don't have that playoff run and Brunson leaves and he kind of fizzles out in the playoffs like he did against the Clippers a year prior, Brunson doesn't get the tribute video. Oh, if he doesn't do what he did in the playoffs, he doesn't leave because he's not getting $100 million. <laughs> and so... Well, that's an, yeah, that's another conversation. Yeah, that, that's fair. But if we're playing this thought game here, that's what earned Brunson the tribute video. Even though, if it were up to me, he would not have gotten the tribute video. I mean, like... I'm sorry. Like, what's the, are the Nets going to give Kyrie one too? Is that what's going to happen? They probably will. Like you said, in this modern day, everybody just. But, you but then, then you. that goes to the point, like you said, that that goes to the point. Does Markeith get one because he's with the Mavericks? Like, he's right next on. to that. It's I like, mean, that, that's fair. That's fair. And so, again, my main point being this. If everything is sacred, nothing is. And the NBA has a real problem of handing out participation trophies. If you get a trophy for everything, then that trophy is meaningless. Scarcity is what drives value. Tribute videos used to mean something, damn it. And they don't mm. mean anything anymore. Hmm. So you're saying... Jersey banner and tribute video are in the same, the same linear equivalency me, of those if, two. Again, if it were up to me, I'd only be making tribute videos for guys I'm going to eventually retire their number for. But that's not the case. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Okay. Wow. Well, tonight, Kyrie Irving makes his mavericks debut final words man i'm gonna I'm have to give each one of y'all a tribute video um final words let's start <laughs> let's start with uh kendra what sh- what are you looking for i know luca's not playing tonight and we all wanted to see it you know national tv game the world's still going to be tuned in just to see how Kyrie does but uh, what's, what are you looking most forward to tonight from Kyrie? Energy. Um, just, I'm looking forward to how he will elevate the, the offense. Um, I think we're going to see a very focused uh, Kyrie, um, pass-friendly Kyrie. Um, also, it's a, everybody get out the way. Let me, let me go ahead and do my one-on-one <laughs> with Kawhi. Let Uncle Drew? One-on-one. Yeah, Uncle Drew's going to be there tonight. And, uh, you know, it's LA. Um, so, mm, yeah, yeah, bright lights. Um, again, the Clippers, just, they have their number on the Mavericks. Maybe, maybe, uh, Kyrie is our is is the you know the key to to unlocking that i know it's just a regular season game but honestly each game matters um going forward so that cannot be um 
you know, uh, taken lightly. So I, I expect Kyrie to have a little pep in his step, you know, just to kind of show everybody like, yeah, don't forget that I'm, that I'm one of the best and this is why I'm here. And, um, you know, just, just give the Mavs fans, uh, a taste of what's to come. And hopefully that's enough to, you know, kind of tame the, the beast a little bit that's out there, uh, on his back. And and you 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 said it. I mean, it's it's L.A. in L.A. is right above the Mavericks in the standings. And who do they play next? Uh, twice in a row, Sacramento Kings. They're right above the Clippers. This is going to be a pivotal three games. Uh, so Sean of Oz, with the first of those three games, what are you most looking forward to with Kyrie and his? Mavs debut. I want to see tonight. him keep. I want to see him keep balling out tonight. He's he was balling with with KD out for the Nets the last couple of weeks. You know, Luca's obviously not going to play tonight. Um, you know, who knows if there's other moves made during the day? We don't know. You know that who potentially is in the lineup, who's not in the lineup. Um, so it'll be really interesting. It's going to be an interesting couple of days here. But I just want to see Kyrie ball, and I think he will. Um, you know, I think he's motivated. I think he's um, he's kind of fed up with the narrative around him. Um, you know, like he said, he wanted to get out of Brooklyn because he felt disrespected, and I think he's got a level of respect with with two guys that he knows very well in, in Nico Harrison and Jason Kidd. So I expect him to put on a show. Uh, like Kendra said, it's the bright lights of L.A. It's national television. Uh, it's his first game kind of showing everybody, Hey, this is, this is what I'm here for. Um, and it, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a hell of a game. It's going to be a hell of a rest of the season for the Mavericks. Sean of us, you, you brought up a great point. He, he, he's he been balling. And I think that that gets lost in this trade because in January, I'm looking at his splits. He averaged 29 and a half points per game. He shot 47.6 from the field, uh, from, the, um, from the court. And, from the um, beyond the arc, he shot 40%, 40.2 from three in January. So, Ian, with the chaos that has, you know, spilled out in the last few days, what are you most looking forward to now that we actually have a basketball game tonight uh, from Kyrie Irving? Man, this is, I feel like. This is kind of like the, the spring rolls before we get to our pad tie, you know? This is the spring <laughs> you rolls. You and your analogies, man. <laughs> I want the whole load, man. This was just a taste. I, I'm ready for the main course. And and so, I, you know, I'm, I'm excited to kind of see what everything looks like, but we won't really get onto the entree until Luca gets back out there. And then I'm going to be licking my fingers, maybe getting a little bit of the the sauce that they give you on the side, that yum yum sauce, and and I'm a, I'm gonna just be enjoying, man, sitting back and, and enjoying. How, how does that go? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, well, I'm looking. <laughs> man, it's always something with him. Uh, I'm looking most forward to just how he plays with the teammates, the chemistry. I want to see if he has that chemistry with Christian Wood. Uh, if, if he plays, you know what's going on um, around the trade deadline. 
I want to see, does he have a connection with Tim Hardaway Jr.? Uh, is, is Hardaway going to all of a sudden get his shot back? Um, now he's playing with Kyrie. You got to step up. Or is he playing tonight? There's a lot I'm looking forward to tonight is who's playing? How does Kyrie play with his teammates? Does he make Dwight Powell's job easier? Does he make, you know, some of these other guys' job easier on the court um, outside of the scoring? And especially with Luka out and then how obviously how he plays with Luka. But these are pivotal games, the Clippers and the Kings, because if they lose these games, they can drop. They could drop to eight, ninth seed in the West, 10th seed in the West. If they win these games in a few days, they could be third seed in the West with Luka and Kyrie. And who knows that the trade deadline. So it's going to be exciting. Um, he has his issues. It's risky, but that boy can play. He's one of the best players in the league, and that's what it boils down to. Luca approved it, and he wants him here. The Mavericks got a star here. Nico did his job. He's more than a shoe salesman. He did his job and got a star to Dallas with Luca only being 23 years old. Goodbye, everyone.